The following podcast is brought to you by the Creative Arts Curriculum Team from Secondary Learners, Educational Standards Directorate of the New South Wales Department of Education. As we commence this podcast today, let us acknowledge the traditional custodians of all the lands on which this podcast will be played around New South Wales. Their art, storytelling, music and dance, along with all First Nations people, hold the memories, the traditions, the culture and hopes of Aboriginal Australia. Let us acknowledge with honour and respect our Elders past, present and future, especially those Aboriginal people in our presence today who have and still do guide us with their wisdom. Welcome to the Creative Cast podcast series. My name is Alex Manton and I'm a Creative Arts Curriculum Officer at the New South Wales Department of Education. The area of discussion for this podcast is Let's Talk Topics. And today we'll be exploring some selected topics chosen by music teachers for stages four and five and how they implement these in the classroom in their respective schools. So our first music teacher today is Tani Arnold, and she's what we call a super educator. Um, She's based in Broken Hill, and over the last two years, she's taught music, drama, dance, and visual arts at Williamma High School, which is located in the remote community of Broken Hill, New South Wales. Tani studied at the Central Queensland Conservatorium, specialising in music theatre, and holds a Master of Teaching. She's particularly passionate about creating performance opportunities for students in the local community. Our second music teacher today is Kerry Lacey from Kirrawee High School in Southern Sydney. Kerry Lacey was trained as a bassoonist at the Queensland Conservatorium and worked with many professional orchestras in her early years before moving to New South Wales and joining the National Chamber Orchestra and Trade Winds Quintet. Kerry then started working with the Department of Education New South Wales in 1991 and is currently the music teacher and music coordinator at Kirrawee High School, which is located in the Shire south of Sydney. She believes her purpose in life is to teach people of all ages to be more passionate about music. Her time and energy is invested into building mega music departments and wants to see as many children as possible get involved in music. So welcome Kerry and Tani, thanks for joining us today. Um, First, are you able to share with us just a little bit about your school, including the role that music plays within your school culture? Sure. Uh, Kirribilli High School is has like an overarching banner called Measured by Achievement. That's our motto. And underneath that, we have something called Signature Strengths. So the Signature Strengths we have are resilient learners, uh, respectful global citizens and responsible and engaged students. So under those three band, those three Signature Strengths we have at Kirribilli, the music department have developed three pillars and our pillars are creativity, collaboration and kindness. So within our school, the music department is an independent block from the rest of the school in the sense that it doesn't live within a big block. So it's in the, it's sort of off to the side of the school. The students' playground is all around it. We have a cola. So within the school community, it has a very high visual position. 
So there's lots of music coming out of it. There's lots of children who hang around the block and who will play instruments outside of the block. So as far as the students in the school are concerned, music is a big part of the school community. We often say that the Kirui High School Musos are rock stars because they come from other schools where music doesn't have quite the same, uh, I don't want to say high status, but it, it is. The kids are proud to be involved in the ensembles and the kids are proud to be in a member of the music department. Uh, we have over 1,200 kids in the school and of that, over 180 are in the music department in some way, shape or form in either ensembles or elective, mostly in the ensembles. And we have all elective classes from elective 9 and 10 right through to 11 and 12, obviously, and 7 and 8 mandatory. So it's a big department. Fantastic. Sounds like a very vibrant community. It is. The department itself just sits between, like it's at the back of the hall. So when you look at the the actual physical space or the physical layout, there's ramps that come up to our veranda. And between our building and the hall used to be this big garden. Well, they've just completely cut that down and what they've done is created like a teaching space so it's fake grass and the kids are now all starting to gather there and they sit there and they talk during recess and lunch and and there's big windows along the block so when you see the block it's a very welcoming place it's a very vibrant as you say place for kids to come so they feel very happy and comfortable there. Great and how about you Tani? So we have um, just over 500 students at our school we also have about 20% Indigenous and we do have quite a large portion of school that are from low socioeconomic backgrounds. We have a very diverse cohort and a lot of the students come to us not really having a lot of knowledge in music. And definitely, I think we have like in the last two years, we've had one student who's played the violin. So any kind of orchestral music, that's not what our students are after they're looking for popular music but it's definitely a very important part of the school for those students who do choose definitely probably very sporting school you know in the last um, few years we've had a few students that you know have achieved band sixes which is great so the students who do work really hard and they're definitely uh, other students are looking up to them and wanting to be like those students and the ones who are performing at assemblies and during those kind of activities and I do, it was like going back to why there's not, you know, they don't have like a great foundation for music when they come. There's not that many teachers outside of school as well for like private tuition or either the families may not have the finances to support those students' passions. But before school, recess, lunch, we always have students in our rooms, in the staff room, wanting that space so they can practice and better their skills, which yeah, I think is, is pretty it's pretty cool they're definitely very driven like the students that do want to participate in the music program great so what sort of instruments do your students play Tani what are they into yeah so I'm a vocalist uh, predominantly so I love working with my vocalists quite a few of them, them coming through guitars bass drums but yes yeah, so they're like your standard kind of pop rock musicians coming through yeah um so Kerry, what topics do you teach in stages four and five at your school and how do you teach them? How do you plan? We have just completed our first five-year plan of change would be the best way to describe it. And we reconfigured all of the stage four and five topics. We have a variety of students that come to the school that have some background in music and some that don't. And like uh, Tani's school, we have some kids 
We have a variety of socioeconomic backgrounds. We're very proud of the fact that we provide a free ensemble program at the school. So what we did, what we wanted to do was connect the ensemble program to the senior curricula and build to develop the skill set of the music two and music one students in year 11. So what we did was we worked backwards. So stage four, we introduced drumming. That was one of the first things that needed to be introduced because we didn't have uh, any drumming of any sort. The rooms were very subdivided when I first got there. They had composition happened on this day and performance happened on this day and there wasn't a lot of cross-curricular, across uh, integrated teaching happening. So what we did was we introduced African drumming in year seven, then they do skill tech, so guitars, they do keyboards and then they do music and animation, which is their technology unit. Then in year eight, we introduced Japanese drumming. So we spent four years buying these Japanese drums over an extended budget. So we introduced Japanese drumming. We then introduced Launchpad as an app on their iPads. We then introduced small ensembles and gaming. And so in year seven, we were focusing particularly on rhythmic drive. We were focusing particularly on word banks and either units. And we were looking at developing their ability to be creative from a composition perspective in groups and collaboration. So we kind of knocked all that together. Then we get to stage five and we did, we focused specifically on certain things that we needed for music two. So they do Beatles, they do musical theater, then they do side projects, they do jazz, stomp, and then they do a showcase for their parents. And for them, for year nine, it's all about harmony, chord functions and things like that. And then in year, year 10, they do minimalism, film music, and then they do their showcase for parents then and then they do Australian music, small ensembles, and then they do side projects at the end. So they're all about fragmenting, development of ideas, texture, all that sort of thing. So that's kind of how we structured those, that, that flow through from seven to 10. Wow. And so do you have quite a big music to cohort? Yeah. So we've been very fortunate that when I first got there, we had one, sometimes, sometimes one year nine class, sometimes two year nine classes, but only a year 10 class. Now we've been getting two year nine, two year 10. So our numbers for Music 2 and Music 1 have been building, which is nice. Most of the time in Music 2, we have about, we've had eight or 10 kids. Now we're getting 13 to 16 kids in that cohort. And then the Music 1s have been usually big, uh, but this year they're 18 in Year 11. So I've got 16 in Music 2 and 18 in Year 11 for Music 1. So and from a practical perspective, Kerry, how do you manage 30 Year 7 kids drumming enough drums for every kid and there were these packs that we could buy that had 15 djembes they're the smaller djembes and so that was pretty affordable we bought one one year and we bought one pack the next year so then we ended up with 30 djembes and we've got them stored in like one of those pigeonhole cupboards that goes along the wall so uh, all of those kids play djembes and we have some bigger ones that that we use uh, we bought some dunduns but again this was over three years we budgeted to buy this stuff because it was a target it was a particular target and all the kids play the african drums so they all learn to do the basses and the tones and they learn all the rhythms we teach rhythms using fruit don't laugh don't laugh but we teach them using fruit mangoes Okay, we use we use mangoes, we use pineapples, uh, we use um, watermelons, we use water, the mango, that's fun. We use, so we use fruit names to help the year sevens to learn their rhythms and patterns. We do things in cells, so we teach them in two beats or we teach them in four beat patterns. So watermelon plum, 
uh, we'll do watermelon plum, mango plum. So we'll teach them in block patterns uh, for the African drumming. And we do the same thing with the Japanese. We spent, it took us three years to get all the drums, but we only have, we have the, a daiko, we have one adaiko, we have two miyadaikos, and then we have five shimadaikos. So that is what we call a class set. And so we rotate the children on those in groups. That's how we manage it. And those that aren't doing that, they are on tyres, if you can believe it, go-kart tyres. Oh, really? You, yeah, you get those and you wrap them in like a gaff plastic, like that hard gaff you can get from Officeworks. Yeah. Wrap them in that. You can wrap them in base plastic and then wrap them in that. And they are fantastic as gem, as gem base and also as uh, a dicos and things. They make great sounds. Kids can beat them up. Nobody, you know, can't do anything to break them or anything like that. They're fantastic. How did you come Easy up with that, store. Kerry? I have to say I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> uh, I'm very blessed that I have a, a colleague of mine, Dave Manuel, who does a lot of taiko drumming around the place, and he's the one that said to me, Kerry, get the go-kart tyres. <laughs> and you can get them for free at a lot of places. There'll be places that are tossing out go-kart tyres. And they're, they're small enough, like you can get them, they're relative size, but they're easy for kids to manage. And you can take them outside and nothing happens to them and it's great. Works really well. And, of course, garbage bins. Yeah. Garbage bins too. Yeah, so you pack the garbage bin lid with like a, a thick felt, the super thick felt, and then coat it with the same uh, gaff. Okay, and as long as the kids don't uh, hit it with the taiko sticks, that's good because if you hit them with the taiko sticks, you break the garbage bins. And so you've got bits of garbage bin everywhere. It's bad. <laughs> you don't want that. Oh, wow. And Tani, what do you teach in stage four and five? So I have so far taught stage four, but I'm just starting to teach stage five. Just as, so I've got what I've got planned, but not yeah, 100% consolidated. But in year seven, so what we do for, we break concepts down. So we're in term one, we look at tone color and duration. The way we look at tone colors through the instruments and the orchestra. So looking at each of those families, uh, what the materials those instruments are made out of. So why they make those sounds, why, what the size of the instrument, how that affects the pitch of the instrument. And then also we look at duration. So I find that seems to be one of the hardest concepts for the students to really digest. So we start any kind of rhythm work right at the start, term one. And then in term two, uh, we look at the piano. I find that's like the easiest way to teach pitch. And we also look at expressive techniques. And then term um, three, we're looking at composition. And we also look at guitar and looking at structure and texture. And then by the time we get to term four, they've got enough information to start their own ensembles and we start to put them together in a band. So do they sort of, you have guitars and percussion? and Yeah, so um, term one, we focus on percussion, drums, uh, tambourine, and then yeah, term two, we, um, we've just got a new set of keyboards. So we focus completely on that and then guitar term three and then yeah putting it all together is it challenging with teaching the orchestral family when they never seen those instruments before they're um they're very interested uh we were we were looking at the woodwind family today and we do have some of the instruments in at the school but usually students just don't want to play them and i think with the flute and they're like oh my god do we have one of those at the school and like got it out so they could see what it looked like and Mm. It, it was quite exciting for them. So just not really exposed to those kind of instruments. So I remind them as well. I'm like, you know, you do watch TV and you'll notice like in a lot of ads, there's classical music. 
So even like the Lord of the Repertoire that we listen to, I'm like, this will be familiar to you. So yeah, the, but yeah, it's good to, I guess, to see where this sound is being produced from. So, so what, what are some of your students' favourite activities um, that really engage, engage them in their learning, Tani? Um, they like anything with a little bit of competition. Yeah, so uh, yeah, there's one little um, activity that's called Smack It. So divide them into teams. So this is after they've learned where the notes are on the stave. And so they're competing against each other and they'll have a magnet each. So divide the, the uh, classroom into two. And whoever, whichever side of the room gets the most points wins. So I'll be like, okay, show me where a C is on the stave. And then they've got a race to be able to show me where where a C is or whatever the note happens to be. Or if you divide them into teams, it's like, all right, so we're going to do a quiz so we can test your music theory knowledge. But also, I mean, mostly it's performing. Like, but yeah, their most favourite thing is always performing. That's the first thing they ask you when they, <laughs> when you get to the classroom, are we performing today? Yeah. Are we doing proud? <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Kerry? Uh, my, my, yeah, my kids love to, my year sevens and eights, they're like yours. They come running to the block and they just want to get their hands on things. Uh, we do a lot of play-learn strategies, so we'll play first before we learn a lot of things. And we use card systems. So we have, like, component cards. So there's word banks for each of the units. And so, for example, African drumming, let's say, um, they learn ostinato cross rhythms, they learn call and response, they learn a variety of things. And so we'll give them these card things and we'll say to them, you've got 10 minutes, compose something using those things and come back and play. They like playing for each other in group scenarios when it comes to that sort of thing. They don't like so much playing by themselves. However, they do like the challenges. So we do set challenges to our kids. For example, the guitar unit they do is what we call a personal best unit. So the students have levels so it's a level seven system so they work through the levels and their aim is to get as high through the level system as possible and they're, they're rewarded for various things and they love to come in and go i'm on level five look at me oh i'm fabulous you know uh, and so they like to show each other like to play for each other it's one of the things they do love to do and yeah the stage five kids just want to play as groups that's just what they want to do they want to play with their friends they want to play in small groups they want to have the chance to create and write and, you know, use the, the skill sets that we give them. But the problem is there's never enough room. That's the biggest issue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, trying to have, you've got a class of 30 and you have nine or a class of, like I've only got a class of 20. We have two sets of classes. One's in year 10's a class of 20. And even getting them to do stuff like that is hard. There's not a lot of room in the place that we're in. Talking about, um, you just mentioned creating and writing, Kerry. How do you specifically implement composition into stage four and five? And how do you introduce the concept of notation to your students? Because I think that some teachers find that um, a challenge or that we don't mm. feel well equipped to teach composition um, mm. for whatever reason. Um, how, how do you approach it in your classroom? Well, composition to us is creating. So we don't tend to use the word composition. We tend to say to the kids, I want you to create this from this stimulus. So, because they're used to that in other subjects. They're used to other subjects saying, here's, a, here's some stimulus, do something with that. You know, so 
I tend to talk to the students and say to them, look, here are some elements I want you to write. I want you to create something that uses this, 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 and this. And we give them check off lists. And, and like I said, it comes back in the stage four and five to those word banks because we're trying to teach them the terminology like fragmenting, addition, subtraction, whatever the thing is that we're doing. So we tend to try and create composition, composition activities that are more collaborative, creative, stimulus pieces, I suppose. And we also do a lot of playing of compositions. So we do things like year 10, doing minimalism, for example. So they'll play small group arrangements of tubular bells, Koyana Skatsi. Um, they'll do clapping music. And then they have to go and create their own version of whatever we just played. So now apply the skill set you learned. Let's extract all the information we have. Here's our word bank. Go and use that and make me something. Create me something. And now play it for me. You know, play it for your team. Play it for your class. Play it for whoever. Whether it be outside year eight or outside banging on guitars, let's go and play for them, you know. Um, so that's sort of how we deal with composition. It's great. Do your students enjoy that process, Kerry? Very that much so. It was interesting, actually, when I first got to the school, I, I had the Year 11 Music 1 team and the school had a room full of computers, a room full of keyboards and this rehearsal room and composition was always done at a computer, which did my head in, I've got to say, because composition for me has always been done on an instrument. I've always sat down at an instrument or I've always used an instrument to compose so I found that quite surprising so when I me being me rocked into the year 11 class and gave them three pieces of stimulus and said here we go here's three pieces of stimulus create something from that and I kid you not those kids stood there and had no idea what to do they could not create something from it they said what do you mean and I said excuse me what do, you mean? What do I mean what do you mean and I said well that's a chord progression and that's a rhythm and that's a technique. Can you try and put them all together? And they went, what now? <laughs> yeah, now's good. And then it was, but we're not in music room one. And I said, you have to be in music room one to do it. And they went, yeah, because that's where the computers are. And I just, I sat down on the chair and I just went, you're kidding me. So that whole culture of creating mm. in that level has to start in year seven. So I find for me, teaching them the, the content, like the, the rhythmic patterns in cells, teaching them the, the actual words, the, the names of things like you call them response and your ostinato and things like that, that helps them to give them something that they understand concrete that they can then put together. And they love creating. Kids love to play and create. So it works well for us. That's great. Kerry, how about you, Tani? Well, one of the first composing activities uh, we did with students is just, uh, we did parodies, working with the lyrics. Uh, so, yep, okay, you're going to use the same melody, same chords. And one of my year seven classes, they come up, this was during COVID lockdown as well. So they chose Let It Go from Frozen and they all wrote, I know, I know. <laughs> they all wrote a song and instead of let it go, it was, I think it was like, here is play, here is play, because they were, they were oh. so, it was, it was quite sweet, actually. They were very excited. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, they, they, they loved that. They got right into it and they got into groups too. 
sometimes it's scary. I find like one-on-one, but if they've got a group, oh, okay, you get, you do this sign and then, all right, I've got the next one, bounce off each other. And then as far as like the actual assessment goes, do a little portfolio and it does start with, okay, let's write an ostinato in 4-4. Let's write one in 3-4. Okay, so now like, let's write four ostinatos. So let's do polyrhythms. Okay, so let's look what that looks like layered. Um, and then the next activity uh, is, okay, now let's look at a pentatonic scale. Let's, how can we create a melody from this scale? So, all right, you can only use these notes. So super, super scaffolded, directed mm. uh, questions, uh, which makes it easier for them to address. So even to the point of like, okay, so on this bar, you must use the third note in the bar must be C or whatever it happens to be. Mm. And then for the final activity, so they've kind of got like a pretty good basis and an idea of what they're doing. And we then choose uh, like little poems. So one of them was uh, one, two, three, four, five, once I caught a fish alive. And I'm also putting a bit of literacy into the activity. It was like, okay, so break these words down into the syllables. And mm. you now have to create a rhythm with these amount of syllables. Yeah. And so that was the first step. And then the next step would be then, okay, so now let's add a melody with that. And then once we get to year eight, then I start to look at maybe adding some chords, but I'll give them chords. And then I'm like, mm. okay, now let's add a melody on top of that. And mm. Um, year nine, I'm planning on doing a similar thing. Music, actually, I'm thinking I might do choose an Australian song and then we're going to look at arranging it. So maybe you might choose oh, something like Walsing Matilda. And mm-hmm. okay, but now let's put in a different key, right? Now let's put a different melody on top. So then getting to year 10, like you were saying, I love the idea of stimulus. And for me, I think film is like such a great stimulus. Mm-hmm. So giving them either, okay, pick a scene from a film or giving them some short films and going, okay, so let's create something that will enhance the mood of this mm. scene. Oh, it should do. I mean, with your, the one you were talking about before, about the year nine, you talk about the Australian music. We, yes. When we do small ensembles in year nine, we actually take and I, we give them, they learn numbers of songs, a particular yeah. song, and then they have to put it into a different style, like a reggae or a disco, something that has a structure and a form. Yes. Yeah, and so therefore they're learning how to deconstruct chords and reconstruct them in the patterns. That works incredibly well. The other idea I got while you were talking was the Australian music one. Oh, I was going to ask you a question. Do you have kids ask you, why do we not use those two notes in a pentatonic scale? Why do we not use number four and number seven? That's a great question, Kerry. Mm, no. no, they don't. don't. They just accept mine, them, don't they? Mine do. <laughs> mine go, what's wrong with four and seven? And I... And I say to them, well, they're not good notes together. They don't play well together. So, and then I play them and they go, oh, no, they don't play well together, do they? Yes, no. I have, like, because I was just, when I was reading through the questions before this and I was like, oh, which, um, which uh, activities do students really like? And I was, like, thinking about that. Because sometimes I have, a, like, a good lesson and, like, yep, they, they do all the right things and I'll finish the lesson and I'll be like, oh, like, was that good? You know, do you want to do similar activities like this? And they might actually be like, oh, no, that was actually... A bit boring and I'm like oh okay well it means you're lovely compliant students and like we got done what we needed to do but yeah I think that's like yeah my I do find my students are pretty they're pretty accepting and they're like quite compliant in in general they're oh, okay well she said so so it must be you know <laughs> at least they're open Tani you know yeah <laughs> to being educated <laughs> it is and they're the ones you want too because my kids are not they're not short in making statements. So like, like, for example, why do we not use those two notes? 
you know, they're always asking lots of questions. Why? Why are we doing this? Well, because of this. I'm very good at answering the why question these days. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the mandatory topic, Australian music. Um, who are your favourite artists or, or pieces that you like to explore with your, your students? Oh, where do you start? I know, where do you start? Question. It is. You know, I was listening to Classic FM yesterday on my way in, in the car because I like to listen to that at times. And there was this piece by Ian Grandage and I didn't recall, I didn't write down the name of the work, but it was, it used muted trumpet. I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to find that. I've got to find that work because it was fantastic. So for me though, we do the rabbits. Um, we do the rabbits Kate, with the like kids. It. Yeah, and we Ian. do. The kids, and Ian, the kids love that program they really do so we do that one we do Lior as well this is all in year 10 uh, we do Edwards we do Eleanor Katz Chernin uh, we do Stanhope so we do cover quite an extensive range of those music to Australian composers that they're going to meet when they're in in music too but we pepper Australian music throughout the rest of the 7 to 10 program so we have key pieces that we've put in to like guitar you know, we've we've got some guitar pieces by Australian artists. We've, uh, like, obviously Tommy Emmanuel and people like that. We've got some keyboard works that we've tossed in there through with the year sevens. In the year eights, we've tossed some things in the launch pad and the gaming. So particularly the gaming, because there's some wonderful orchestral work with the gaming stuff that you can do. So we've peppered it throughout the program. So there, every year encounters Australian music in some way, shape or form. The latest edition is William Barton. We're doing a bit of work there which is good so um we just need to find a didgeridoo player at the school we, we don't have one it'd be nice to have a digi player be lovely to be able to to utilize that through the program and in the ensembles particularly our string ensemble be good to do something with that yeah. uh one of my favorite artists and also pieces is i really like um paul jarman and his piece laurie and yatunka I was because I love the narrative that is accompanied with that piece of music, and also when I'm I am Indigenous, I'm Namba. My people are from Brewarna, so I'm very passionate about, about uh, teaching Indigenous perspective in schools in a totally respectful way. And um, I, I did have a Year Seven come up to me, and they really they really like narrative, and it's a it's a really nice way for them to connect with the content. So. Uh, we'll listen to the piece and we talk about the story and the yearning for each other, the love story. Then they're totally focused and then we break it down and give them super year seven. So super scaffolded sheet. Okay, mm. what's it? Maybe here, et cetera, et cetera. The other artist I've been listening to a lot is Burma Plum as well lately. I think she's mm. pretty cool. I love her. Mm, yeah. Mm. And uh, because I love music theatre, big Tim Minchin fan. Of course. Mm. Yes. Um, not not always appropriate, but very right, good. But mm. fine. Yes, yes mm. Matilda. Matilda uh, content mm. good, but yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Got one final question for you both. Why is music important to your students? If you were to ask my kids why music's important to them, particularly the kids in concert band, which are my seven to ten, seven to ten kids, they'd say to you, particularly after last year, it's what makes them breathe. It's what makes them believe. It's what makes them feel like they belong and they're alive. And I think last year in particular, 
I watched my year nine, 10 and 11 students stop breathing. They stopped living. Uh, they struggled. Our kids struggled with no rehearsals online. I mean, we gave them all sorts of things that, that were totally different and they all came and they all complied because they were desperate to play and desperate to sing. And my vocal team who I had for the first time this week, all the first thing they said to me after they sang, the first song they sang, one of them said, like there was dead silence and one of them said, I'm finally alive. It was one of the year 10 kids. And I, my heart nearly broke. I just thought, oh, you poor kids. But for them, they have this little social subculture and it's all about music for them. And their, their world revolves around that block and around that cola and around that area. And when it was taken, I don't want to say taken from them, but when it ceased to exist for them, the vibrancy of what goes on in their lives, they stopped breathing. So that's how, that's how important music is to the kids at, in our department and the kids we see that come through our block, which is just one of the best things in the world to watch. It truly is. Yeah. How about you, Tani? Why is music important to your students? Uh, it's, it's a safe place for, for our students. As a CAFU department in general, well-being is probably at the forefront for us. We do have those, those students who absolutely excel. But most importantly, music just provides a very safe place where they can be themselves. And, you know, they might just play like a melody in an ensemble piece, like, you know, one finger, like techniques, maybe not like great, whatever, but it doesn't matter. It's just about being a part of that community and being there with their friends and feeling safe and a part of the group. And I think, uh, I think it's a, probably a little bit of escapism as well. Uh, we are so isolated here in Broken Hill. So it definitely, yeah, I guess it can be quite transformative. I've definitely felt that. I'm from the Northern Rivers where it's green and lush and there's music and dance and art everywhere. And here there's just not quite as much. So when they do come to school, there is always that place in those two music rooms where they can come and yeah, have some peace and just, yeah, safe place. I think it's like that in so many schools, mm. you know. I, there's not one school I've taught in that that does not exist. Mm. The music department is like this Garden of Eden in the middle of, of these schools. And it's, it's fascinating to see how music departments can draw things out of kids, you know, Kids come to us, some kids come to us because they want somebody to find things in them. Mm. They, want, they want us to find magic in you, you know. And that's, for all those music teachers out there, and I'm sure they will all agree with me, that's why we do what we do. That's why we stay till 6.30 at night and that's why we're up at 6.30 in the morning and we're at the school and that's why we're running the musical and that's why we're doing all those things because to watch that one kid and that light bulb go off and they just have that moment of magic and they're a rock star. You know, it's just, it's fun, wonderful. The best job in the world. So much um, for talking with us today and um, sharing your ideas about what you teach at your, your respective schools. I'm sure that the listeners will have lots of new ideas to take back to their own classroom. But most of all, I, I think you've pinpointed why music is important um, to our students and that's why we do what we do. So thanks, Kerry. Thanks, Tani. And You're welcome. Catch you next time. <laughs>
This podcast was brought to you by the Creative Arts Curriculum Team, Secondary Learners, Educational Standards Directorate of the New South Wales Department of Education. Get involved in the conversation by joining the statewide staff room as a source of all truths regarding curriculum or email our curriculum advisor, Catherine Ricketts Horvat, using the email address creativearts7-12 at digit.nsw.edu.au. The music for this podcast was composed by Alex Manton and audio production by Jason King.